The next theme we wanted to talk about in our manifesto as a community, spelled M-A-N-Y, manifesto, is personal transformation. Uh, Tim talked in the first um, sermon conversation about community. Um, We're going through these six themes because we want to have greater clarity and definition about what we're up to, like what we're doing here at Root and Branch, why we come, why we get together every week or so. Um, These themes are shamelessly ripped off um, or inspired by, I should say, uh, a a group um, of people all over the country that were assembled by Harvard Divinity School. Um, They've come together for a few um, retreats and conferences. Uh, Tim and I were graciously invited to be part of this uh, as representatives of this community. And they had they came up with these six themes that a lot of people in our generation who are dissatisfied with religion, religious community, but still desire it, still are seeking to make it, but in new ways, kind of like us. Um, six themes that, whether people talk about them or not, are characteristic of what we're what we're looking for, what we're what we're grasping for, maybe in the dark. So um, we're really grateful for that. It's actually given us some clarity, things that we're already feeling or doing or talking about, but it's a way of um, of putting it down, of of giving it some definition. So um, we're excited to to piggyback on that, but give it our own twist. Um, so I'm going to be talking about personal transformation. Um, the order is a little bit funny. First of all, that's one thing I, I was thinking about. Why would we start with this sort of middle-sized group of community, then go to personal, the, the self, and the next one Tim's going to talk about social and world transformation. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I thought actually I liked that order. It makes sense because part of what we're doing here, what we're relying on, is a definition of what the self is that's a little different than what the world uh, gives us. It's a definition that is, from the beginning, whether we're intentional about it or not, informed by uh, what's outside of us, what's greater, so that the communities we've been a part of, the communities that we choose to be a part of, that that starting with community is kind of a bold uh, reversal or or flip of the, the, the cultural script we're told we're like the fundamental unit of of things is the the individual or the self and its own journey and desires so i want to tell a story may um i'm sure other people have had this experience i know they have i've talked to people about it and the experience is of finding an old journal an old diary so i was home a couple years ago i remember this particular time of finding a journal from high school at home at my parents' house. And uh, the the feeling, the simultaneous sort of paradoxical feeling of, um, on the one hand, being sort of impressed by high school me and my insights, like the things I was thinking about, worrying about, wondering about, are remarkably wise in a way, or at least I think so. I mean, I'm not totally embarrassed, but the other side is embarrassment, shame, <laughs> like like the sort of angsty, cliched um, ramblings of a, of a teenager. And oh my gosh, I was very 
navel gazing. So, but I, but so the thing that I kept being obsessed about in my journal entries, I remember, was that like this question of who am I? Who's the real me? I I have this self at school, my the self I am with my family, with my friends, um, the self who wants to be liked, um, who's performing these different roles, but this sense that that none of those were really the deep, true version of me, and, and what what was that? Who was I supposed to be, or really deep down? And I remember, like, the version part of my my feeling looking at this journal was, I think, in part um, in part the self obsession or the navel gazing, and also the kind of blobby, ill defined, like someone who's always worried about who they really are is sort of enacting a, um, uh, a not, they're not, they're not being anything. They're not being a self. There's, there's nothing there in a sense. If you're just sort of, um, being enclosed on yourself doesn't give you a self, doesn't give you a shape, a particular, um, direction or, or, um, interesting shape. So, um, anyways, I think that uh, the the passage I want to just real quote, quote from right now, it's from the Bible, um, it's from Romans, is trying to get at what is a different way of going about it, of, um, of finding a shape to one's life that is at once um, open, um, ch- open to change and influence, um, yet... Um, has a strength, a center, a rootedness, um, a depth. Uh, So here, this is from Romans 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the temptation uh, of this is th- those last lines of perfect, of good and perfect. When people think about personal transformation, when I think about it, I think uh, in my everyday life, um, still navel-gazing, is uh, that I need to become something better. I need to become something perfect or good, and uh, basically that's not where I am now. I need to become, I need to get a new, shiny, beautiful shape. And the shape I've gotten is whack or crooked or wrong. spiritual path, uh, I've been, I kind of maybe went the opposite way that a lot of people who've had some relationship with religion or tradition have gone. Say if you grew up in a more fundamentalist or conservative, rigid one, my spiritual, my beginning of my spiritual, explicitly spiritual life was um, a kind of not unlike Paul's 
thing on the road to Damascus. It was this radical change, this radical before and after kind of moment. Um, and it was, I think, the first taste I had had of what it felt like to completely accept the shape I was. The, the, like the the need to be different or need to be perfect or need to be to prove my worthiness, um, my, the symmetry of my lines or whatever. Um, I, all that sort of was swept away and I just um, experienced love of what I was. And it was, it was radical, it was dramatic, it changed everything. It set me on this course of, you know, spiritual seeking and reading different kinds of books and, and it opened up all these possibilities. It made me say yes to all these new avenues and adventures and people and um, including saying yes eventually to this cool progressive church in New York where I sort of found a spiritual home eventually saying yes to the possibility of studying religion academically, um, thinking about trying to create religious community in different ways. Um, but I remember talking to my, uh, my, the minister of this church in New York about my interest in divinity school, and she was affirming and encouraging, but to my horror in our conversation, she's also like, Neil, I have to tell you something. You're vague, you're a bit vague. I don't know if she said you're vague or you're a vague dude. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, my heart sunk. I, I thought, here I am, I'm finding direction. I'm finding um, all this new stuff I'm excited about, trying, tr thinking creatively, trying to do all this stuff, and here, here I'm vague. And I think um, she was right in the sense that I had found this openness, but it wasn't until... Um, later, when I kind of went deeper into community and tradition and, the, you know, these boring things like the Bible and the stories and symbols, uh, the history of, of this particular tradition, and also like a more specific, I would say, conversation with, with God, with the divine, with um, the thing we don't know how to name. Um, it wasn't until I went into all these other outside things that my soul took a more definite shape. And I think, you know, that's part, partly because I needed to bump against it. I needed to bump against the, the, the voices in this tradition, the voices, the, the shapes of other people and community um, to get my own shape. Um, sometimes that, those bumps are painful. Uh, a, a big part of the Christian story is about pain, suffering, and loss, and, and finding the courage to, um, to face and go those places, the, the hope that um, they won't utterly destroy us, that there's something after and through them. Um, so the shape, the, the parts of my shape that already were there that contained those difficult things were things I didn't I didn't see the outlines of those before. I didn't see so. I, so as part of it was seeing the, the strange, variegated, weird, twisted shape that I already was that my life had already taken. But also, um, being open to this to, to to being informed to being shaped by others, by by history, by by mystery, by just people. 
Christian writer Parker Palmer, he's a Quaker, I guess Quakers are Christian, um, Parker Palmer talks about how, and I think this is another way of getting at what Paul is talking about, how there's actually a geometric metaphor, a, a, spate, a shape metaphor for what, what our souls are like when they're at once centered and, and, um, and have, a, have a bit of integrity and, and wholeness, but also um, open to what side, what's outside them. And so he talks about how a lot of people come to a certain point in their lives where they um, are kind of blown hither and hither, thither by random stuff that happens, and they seek greater integrity, greater centeredness, greater like foundation. So they, they, they make their souls into a kind of circle. And that circle is, is centering yourself around values or this is what my life is about, this is what's important. And he says that's an, maybe a good step, but the problem is that there's still um, this kind of rigid barrier between what's inside the circle and what's outside. So it's no, ac- no coincidence that, coincidence that you know, a lot of religious people and communities are, um, have these rigid ideas about who's in, who's out, who's saved, who's not, who's, who's a good person, who's not. And, then, and it also sort of deforms the soul. So um, this kind of rigid thinking, he says that uh, what needs to happen is to take that, kind of break that circle open, imagine a strip of paper, twist it, and glue it back together. And what you get is that thing we all learned about in elementary school, the Mobius strip. And the weird thing about the Mobius strip is that you start on the outside at one, at one point and you go around and pretty soon without moving your finger, you're on the inside of the circle and you keep going and it's the inside and the outside is one surface. And that represents the sort of permeability or openness that is nonetheless centered, um, grounded, rooted, uh, that we're, what's inside our souls, our weird bodies, our weird experiences uh, can be let out, can be shown, and, and we can be affected by what's outside us, by relationships, by new experiences, by changing times, um, new information, but that we are not just uh, pushed around by it, we then can also inform and act and create and um, shape the world. So we're being shaped and shaping. So that's the weird, that's the strange thing about personal transformation, I think, is it's not what we think. It's not becoming a new shape, a new form. It's not, like Paul says, it's not being conformed to the world and just being, um, letting the world tell us how to be and what's right and what's acceptable. It's finding this particular shape um, that allows us to be shaped and to shape, allows us to be changed. Paul says the, this kind of continuous renewing of the mind is what we're after, um, but also allows us to um, bring who we are into the world, into our, our communities, our families, our friendships, our politics. My little twist on Parker Palmer's thing is, um, and maybe he talks about this, I just have never seen it, but that, that twist in the paper strip to make it a, an inside-outside permeable shape, um, that, that could be thought of 
um, as the sort of twist, the twistedness that we tend to not want to show people, the, the, the strangeness, the weirdness, the quirks, or like the, the shameful stuff that, or the things that we feel ashamed about, um, that those are the very things that, give, that can potentially give our souls this wonderful shape, this beautiful shape um, that is strong but open, um, that's centered but permeable. Um, so I, I think, you know, I'd like to think of root and branch as kind of, I guess the, the nice version would be we're a church with a twist, but the maybe truer version is we're like kind of a twisted church. We're kind of all, um, we do things straight in twisted ways. We're all a little bit messed up, but um, that's maybe what's so great about us. Not everyone who hears this may know this, but uh, in my life, a big, a big plot twist, a big twist happened about two and a half years ago with the birth of my son Hans. His uh, entry into the world was um, a little bumpy. It was not smooth. He lost oxygen during birth, and it's led to um, him having uh, very serious disabilities, multiple disabilities. He's got cerebral palsy, but um, all kinds of other uh, uh, interesting, um, painful, difficult challenges that he's facing in our families. Uh, as a result, um, experienced a lot of, uh, yeah, just pain and hardship. And I thought, I mean, even though people, I can't hide that, that reality, I thought that the best way as a sort of leader in community or a responsible founder of community to, to sort of hold that or deal with it was for the most part to have a, a pretty, um, what I thought, responsible separation between um, all the crap and turmoil and uh, pain that I have gone through, am going through um, on the inside and, and, uh, and what I show on the outside. Not, not in the way you might think of like pretending everything's totally fine or not acknowledging it at all, but when people ask, have asked me, because we've got some nice kind people, thank God in our community, how I'm doing, I usually find some way, even if I'm saying, oh, this has been hard, or this, you know, um, Hans has been struggling in this way, um, or, you know, it's, it's hard for us. I usually find some way of, um, you know, doing the thing of like, uh, but, you know, like finding a positive thing at the end, or like, like tying it off with a nice little ribbon. Um, but, you know, like we're, we're we're doing okay, or like it's gonna be it's gonna be good, or we're we're hopeful, and thinking that 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 sort of is the responsible, appropriate, boundaried, good good thing to do. But the problem is that um, you know, thinking about this, the shape of a, of my of the soul I want, or the shape that we're called to have, um, that's uh, it's just not. It's not true. And so I just want to say that I'm, 
I'm not doing fine, period. <laughs> um, uh, that doesn't mean I don't have, you know, some, some good days and moments, but that overall the shape of my life right now is, is really hard. The shape of my family's life is, um, lives and life are, are um, full of uh, a lot of suffering. And I think that um, when I can admit, I mean, I'm admitting it now, I, I've started to admit it more when I can um, not keep that shape secret. I think when I can acknowledge that, um, that pretty painful twist, I, um, it feels like a little bit fresher air is coming in. I don't, I don't want to do the thing that I did before of tying it off with a bow. Um, it still sucks, period. But um, there's a little thing that Hans and I, my son and I, do. Um, he likes to get up earlier in the morning, uh, sometimes like 4 a.m. This is part of the shittiness, <laughs> 3.45. Um, I, I, we live downtown, downtown in Chicago, and I bring him to the window, and I say, Hans, look outside. Everyone is asleep. The whole city, no one's awake yet. And he kind of smiles at me. Um, he's like, yeah, I know, that's okay. Um, he, does, he doesn't succumb to the peer pressure of the entire city of Chicago. Um, but we have this little ritual um, that started a while ago of um, we made we may have a couple p playlists now. Um, uh, I don't want to give Amazon free advertising, but we use um, the, uh, the Echo Alexa. And Hans has a switch. He's nonverbal, but he can use uh, this switch that says, um, Alexa, next song. And so he loves uh, what we do is we, it's a dance party list. So we, I say, Alexa, play the Hans party playlist. And... Alexa starts playing the Hans Party playlist. Um, and then Hans, uh, there's songs that he likes. And when he is sick of a song, he, he reaches out and pushes the button and says, Alexa, next song. Um, and for a long, we've been doing this for a long, a while. And um, he loves dancing. He loves being part of the embarrassing, um, my embarrassing stories that I, I did modern dance in college, and um, but I love to dance. It's just a thing I like to do, and my body takes weird shapes when I do it. And Hans's body—he's um, got quadriplegic cerebral palsy, so his body takes funny shapes or different shapes when he just moves through the world. Um, but we dance together, and I, I'm holding him in my arms. And for the longest time, when we would do this, I would um, at a certain point I would start. Uh, getting choked up, I would, I would be crying, sobbing, um, and he's he's enjoying it. I think. I mean, I don't think he knows or cares. Um, sort of a quiet thing, but I think um, what was happening is um, two things. One is imagining that um, I might not be able to. Um, there might come a day where I can't do this anymore with him. I can't hold him anymore. He's too big. Um, that makes me sad, and he, and he won't be able to feel what it's like to sort of fly through space um, in that way. That makes me sad. And then another thing that makes me sad is the fact that this happened in the first place. Another thing that makes me sad is um, 
just how much I love this guy and how I, I, I want him to, to have a beautiful life. So, but the other thing that I think is happening is scientific and I've, you know, when you talk about trauma that you're um, moving, even going for a walk or there's therapeutic techniques of, you know, moving your eyes in both directions, um, that when you go through trauma, um, you, your, your, your self, your, the physical apparatus of yourself does become kind of disconnected from itself. It comes, becomes divided. Um, you become a, a non-whole, kind of a broken soul. And, and they found that moving uh, can, can connect those, those disparate parts. And so I think they're, I don't know, I think that might be happening too. The point is, um, I was thinking about uh, how to give a non- um, falsely optimistic message of hope um, while I'm, I'm, I'm more showing the, the, the twist and the, the real stuff inside. And I wasn't sure how to do that, but then I thought in the last few months, we still dance every morning, but that hasn't been happening as much. It, and there are a lot of times where it's just sweet and fun and joyful or or maybe I get annoyed because I'm so exhausted. But um, that kind of these tears that seemed endless or, or it seemed like a bottomless pit of, of, of sorrow um, uh, doesn't, doesn't feel like it, it is. It doesn't feel like that's going to be um, the, only, the only way. And so I, um, I think there's something to that. I think another, another way of thinking about it is the, that all that Christian stuff that had been so helpful to me before, the like things like prayer and church, um, really haven't at this point in my life, if I'm honest, been working to um, to process a lot of my grief and, and pain. And I think one of the one of the ways we can maybe be like Paul was talking about, have a have a a soul that's open to the renewing of the mind that's open to change and new new circumstances is to sometimes let go of um, spiritual practices or religious things that have worked maybe in the past but are not working for us now that I do think of our little um, dance parties um, as a form of of yeah, spiritual practice of, of prayer. So, um, yeah, that, that gives me the, the, I don't know exactly what to, um, say other than maybe, uh, if, if what's, what you're doing isn't working for you, try a new shape. <laughs> um, thank you everyone. Peace. <laughs>